1: They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. plus. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to 691 or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com.
0: John 10 show, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Chris Merrill in for the boys this afternoon. Uh, uh, Brian, I sure hope you have a lot of stuff because I was distracted all afternoon. I, I probably should have been putting together the show, but instead, I was watching the World Cup. Uh, I was just uh, <laughs> focusing on the the US and England. I love these I love these um, major sporting events that happen every four years like the Olympics and the World Cup because so many of us especially here in the United States and I don't mean to offend soccer fans but uh, so many of us in the United States don't watch soccer at all right we just it's just not on the radar It's not we just have to be even if you're a soccer fan let's be honest it's 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 a growing sport. But it's just not a major sport here in the United States. And the same thing with the Olympics. It's like you watch the Olympics, and it's the only time in the in, in your entire life that you will watch fencing or crew or whatever else it is. And I know there's always going to be somebody that's like, my kid is in fencing, and I watch it all the time. And, yeah, I had a daughter that was in water polo, and I used to go to water polo events. And do you know how many events I watched outside of my daughter at water polo? Zero. None. None. But all of a sudden, we all become experts on the sport that moment. And credit to the announcers that sort of bring us in. And with the technology today, offsides is such a – it's just a dumb rule in soccer. It's the dumbest rule there is. And it's so difficult. But now with technology, they actually can bring in like 3D and show you exactly how offside someone was. And I thought that was a really cool addition this year. So I've been watching this, uh, the U.S.-England and I was watching that all day and I was I was buying into you know, all the hype. You know, Fox was building up all the hype on this USA England and I was getting all stoked about this. And yeah, this is it. It's a revolutionary war, man. This is it. And we're gonna take down England. You know, and I'm getting all all worked up. And you know how that game ended? Did you see Brian? Did you see how yeah. it ended? Well, yeah, well, I, I didn't actually see it, but I saw the score. Yeah. And uh... was th- it was a thrilling zero to zero. <laughs> <laughs> anticlimactic is what i call that one. Yeah. Yeah. So i'm filling in for uh you know one of the top uh, talk shows on one of the top stations in the country and what am i doing? I'm watching a zero-zero tie in a in a game that you know is inconsequential in my life. But it doesn't matter. I was focused. I was zeroed in on it. I was uh I was dialed in. The the nice thing about uh, working with you this afternoon, Brian, is that it gave me a reason one to avoid shopping and then two uh because i was avoiding shopping i was able to see the game so or the match i guess i don't know how you want to describe it uh so that was an exciting time for me hey saving money is always good i have a i have a bittersweet relationship with black friday because the the economic side right the fiscal guy in me is excited for Black Friday. I'm excited that retailers have an opportunity now. This is supposed to be the time when they get out of the red and get into the black. Uh, and this is supposed to make or break their entire year. And I'm always excited when when uh, these retailers do well. I'm excited when the consumer price index is staying, you know, uh, where it should be, when the consumer confidence is going up, all these different things, right? The fiscal side of me goes, great. But then, like, me personally, my God, there's nothing more horrific than going into a packed shopping center. I can't stand it. It's like um, I get anxiety around crowds. Um, and my, for a long time, my wife thought I was just, like, putting her on. Like, you're just doing this to get out of things. <laughs> no. Man. Like, I, I will start, my heart will start palpitating. My my palms will get sweaty. I'll feel like the room is closing in on me. Uh, it's just, it's too chaotic for me. Just everybody moving in different directions. It's just so chaotic. Too many people around. So um, it's this is bittersweet that I have with Black Friday, but I was then able to avoid that today. So, you know, that worked out really well for me. Mm-hmm. I know that other people are not that way. Uh, I know other people love to get out. But can we also admit that Black Friday isn't what it used to be? I know. It's, it's like... I'm going to sound like, well, when I was a kid, but it is, it's not bad. It's not worse than it used to be. I don't have a nostalgia for the old days of getting up at three or three 30 and then standing outside a Coles or something. Right. I don't, I don't miss that at all. Especially me who has this, you know, anxiety around large crowds, but it's different. you got companies that are starting their sales sooner Right, You have online shopping that has really taken the place of in-person shopping in in many circumstances. For people like me who are not crazy about crowds, I love doing the online shopping. Oh, it's fantastic. I hope she's not listening. I got online today and I was like, oh, look, deals. I'll buy my wife some Christmas presents today, which is also a trap. It's totally a trap for me because I'm going to buy the Christmas presents. She's going to see the credit card receipt. She's going to know how much I spent. And she's going to say, it wasn't worth it. I always. She'll say, it wasn't worth it. How? You how? spent too much money. Okay. Well, she'll say, I didn't need that. I didn't need that. And my wife is really tricky to buy for, too. Because my wife is funny. Like, when I grew up, we always tried to find gifts for family members that, um, that they needed. And, and look, we weren't, like, we weren't, uh, we were just a, a very middle-class family. Um, upper Midwest, poor area, but we were doing fine, right? My family was. There was a time when it was a little rougher, but for the most part, we did fine. So we always tried to find useful gifts for somebody else. Or if it's something that my my mother had been watching for a while, then that was the thing we go, okay, well, this is the thing that she, you know, she really needs this thing. So... It wasn't uncommon in my house for my dad to buy my mom a vacuum cleaner, for instance, right? And it seems like such an insensitive gift, but I was raised in a really practical, logical household. Like, the vacuum cleaner is the most logical gift that your mother could use. She's been hauling around the old vacuum cleaner for a very long time, and it's very difficult for her. She does not like this. The new vacuum cleaner will be much uh, much more useful. It's a utilitarian gift. And my mom would be like, oh, a vacuum cleaner, this is great! But if I get my wife a vacuum cleaner, she doesn't look at it that way. My wife goes, a vacuum cleaner? Are you saying I'm dirty? Are you saying that a house is unclean? This is the most thoughtless thing I've ever seen in my life. My wife's take is that uh, holiday gift giving should be about um, spoiling somebody, right? Neither, Neither version is wrong. But then I get this from my wife where I'll get her something and I'll go, Oh, Hey, I got you something that you might not have otherwise bought for yourself. Right. I wanted to spoil you. And she'll say, that's not what I wanted. That wasn't worth it. It's such a catch 22 for me. Sounds like it, man. (laughs) It's rough. You know what I did one year? And this takes, this spoils all of the the shopping altogether. One year for my wife, she used to get on me. um, I was working at at a radio station and I did, I did a, a morning show on a music station. And then I would, I would, I had a two hour break and then I would do a talk show on the AM. And so during that two hours, my producer and I, uh, we would go to the Ralph's. It was uh, Dylan's where we were, but it's, you know, it's the Kroger store. So we go to Ralph's and we'd always get, you know, a bite to eat every day. My wife got on me. She says, you're spending too much money, uh, going out to eat every day. And I would have to say, well, I'm, I'm going to the grocery store. And she said, doesn't matter, you're going out to eat. Okay. So she got on me about this. So I decided, all right, she already knows that I'm spending money going out to eat. So then for a little while, I stopped buying food uh, during my little two hour break and I started taking that money and I started putting it away. Right. And then one year for Christmas, I gave my wife an envelope with all the money that I had saved up. Right. I know it sounds so insensitive, doesn't it? It's a great idea, I think. But it seems so impersonal. I was like, I couldn't think of the right thing to give you, so I just skipped lunch for like three months, and here's the $600 I saved. And she was like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Home run. Yeah. Yeah. So I nailed that. The other thing that is a little different this year when we talk about, uh, you know, you're not getting out and you're not doing the the early shopping like in the door busters and all that stuff like we've done in years past. We don't have people trampling one another at Walmart anymore. Uh, Not so much. I haven't seen a story like that in in quite a few years, which is great. Um, But when I was a kid, we didn't go out to the door busters wearing our pajamas, that is a weird thing that's going on now. Have you noticed? I was watching the the reports. You know, KTLA and ABC Seven and everybody that were all doing their their morning shows and they were all doing their morning reports. Uh, and they were all, oh, let's let's go see what somebody's doing at this outlet mall. Let's go to this mall, whatever it is. And um, and I was just stunned. I was watching the people in the background. I couldn't believe how many people were wearing pajamas. Oh yeah, just, that, I mean, that's so bizarre to me. It's I, I don't know what they're trying to advertise comfort but it's it's not a good look it yeah maybe maybe that lowers crowds because you don't want to get close to the people wearing sweatpants and, yeah it's kind of a people of walmart look isn't it Yeah, exactly it, it really <laughs> is it and i there's this you know you see college students do that all the time where college students will they'll wear their pajamas to go get their starbucks but usually by noon they've put pants on it's a little different if you're actually planning on going out and being in public for a few hours while you're doing the shopping, you probably ought to just throw some pants on before you go do that. <laughs> Somebody running around in their Hello Kitty pajama bottoms. And I'm not talking about leggings, right? I'm talking about fuzzy pajama bottoms that they're wearing on. It's just so bizarre to me. So, so weird to me. Uh, I did watch uh, a good deal of World Cup um If you have not been watching, let me see if I can paint a picture for you that will make it at least a little bit entertaining Uh, because this is the, the most watched event globally. Uh, that, that there is. It's bigger than the Super Bowl. It's bigger than the Olympics. It is the most watched. There'll be a billion people will tune into the World Cup at some point. It really is a huge deal internationally. I'll see if I can paint a picture, even if you're not a soccer fan. I'll see if I can paint. If you are, then, you know, hopefully you've had the same enthusiasm that I've had through this tournament. Um, I'll see if I can paint a picture that sort of draws you in and entices you a little bit. We'll do that here in just a few moments. I'm Chris Merrill, in for John and Ken on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere in your iHeartRadio app uh Uh, Heads up on this, Mo Kelly is doing a Small Business Saturday show tomorrow night starting at 6. So if you want to submit your small business, uh, Mo will give you a shout-out. You can do so until 9 o'clock tonight. You'll have until 9 p.m. Just go to kfiam640.com slash small, and that will take you right to the page. And then you can just fill out the form and get your business a shout-out on Mo's Small Business Saturday show, uh, which is uh, good on him. Good on Mo. Got done watching uh, U.S.-England and their 0-0 draw. You can't call it a tie. It's a draw. Uh, So they had a draw, and uh, then I flipped on and was listening to Mo here and talking about the, the movies and the Marvel Universe and the DC Universe here for the last hour. It's always great to hear Mo, and I'm looking forward to the Small Business Saturday show. The World Cup is the one time every four years that I end up watching soccer. Um I wish I could get into soccer more. And I will say this, two of my favorite shows uh right now on streaming uh is Ted Lasso, uh which is a show about soccer coach and um uh, Welcome to Wrexham, which is the the Ryan Reynolds uh and um uh, Rob McElhinney, uh team that they bought. They bought a I mean what would be like a I don't know, uh, like a single-A baseball team here in the United States, that's basically what the, the Wrexham Football Club is. They're on the bottom tier uh, of English soccer, trying to work their way up, which they're allowed to do there. It's it's a fascinating system that I, I think is pretty cool. I'd like to see it implemented in a few different U.S. sports as well, where the worst team in the league is relegated to the next lower level, and the best team at the lower level gets a chance, gets a shot at the at the higher level. Which would mean if if your AAA baseball team were to win the the AAA you know league or whatever, they would then be elevated uh, into Major League Baseball, and then the worst team in Major League Baseball would be dropped uh, down. So you know the Rockies would be booted or something like that, right? So I think that's uh, I think that's a, a cool system that they have. That said, that's I mean that's the closest I get to soccer. If you are like me and soccer is just not your thing um i get it i'm with you because as i pointed out and as uh, brian and i have kind of said that you know after 90 minutes it was a zero zero draw so that's 90 minutes you'll never get back but there is something about soccer that i like and Some of it actually comes back to the boring part. So much of these, so many of these, these draws, these, and there have been five zero zero, I'm going to call them ties because I'm an American, five zero zero ties in the World Cup so far, which is super boring, you would think. Some of those are, some of them are not. The, the US England zero zero draw really was not that boring, especially if you're a U.S. fan. And the reason is the U.S. was on the attack. They really controlled the ball for most of that game, uh, match, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And so that was fun to see. It was fun to watch all the different scoring opportunities. The amount of downtime that they have in soccer, when the ball is just being kicked back and forth in the midfield, uh, feels like, my gosh, I might as well be watching a commercial break right now. Definitely. I get it. But it almost goes to uh, build the anxiety, the good anxiety, the, 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 the tension, the, the hopefulness, uh, when there is an attack, when there is an opportunity. It's almost like all of that waiting around uh, sort of builds things up even further, right? You're edging for 30 minutes until your team has a, a header that goes off the post, and my goodness, your heart skips a beat. It really is fantastic in that regard. Unlike basketball, where every time somebody goes down the court, they're shooting and they're making a, a bucket, and you really have to get through the first uh, the first one and a half uh, halves, I guess, of the uh, of the basketball game before it might get exciting. With soccer, you've got these moments of absolute thrill or absolute uh, terror if it's the other team that scores on your team. Because you know how difficult it is to score. It really builds it builds it up so high. And then, oh, it hit the poster. I went in. And you really, you're just it it's higher highs and lower lows, I think, because of all that downtime in the middle. That part of it is really thrilling. It is. There's another piece of this World Cup that I find fascinating, and that is the the political side of it all. Uh Qatar. I think I'm saying that as close as I can. The the English seem to pronounce it better than the Americans do, but uh, Qatar, I believe, is as close as I'm going to get to being able to say it correctly. They banned alcohol sales. Uh, There's been a lot of controversy around them being awarded uh, the World Cup because they basically bribed their way in. Uh, They had to build nine massive stadiums. It'd be like... like, um, You have to understand, the country is about the size of Connecticut. So suppose that connecticut were to win the world cup and didn't have any major football stadiums right just nothing uh they had to build nine stadiums and these are fantastic stadiums it's like building 9 SoFi stadiums that they did which just shows you how much excess there is in qatar qatar qatar, qatar right? i apologize i'm just not going to be able to say it correctly there's so much excess so much wealth it's really uh, it's really gluttonous. And the division between the haves and the have-nots is remarkable. It's a disgusting display. And yet, once the ball is dropped on the pitch, sort of, all of that sort of just goes away. It just sort of vanishes. You don't even worry about that because you're watching your team, you know, kill 30 minutes before they get a scoring opportunity. The other thing that I think is fascinating watching this through is uh, the Iran- government supporters are confronting the Iran protesters at the World Cup. You know, Iran has had all the different protests that have gone on over their treatment, especially of women. And so you've had a bunch of protesters that have popped in there. And then you had pro-government Iranis that were um, confronting the the protesters. Iran, incidentally, made a big uh, push and ended up beating Wales. Nobody thinks of Iran as being a, a soccer or football powerhouse nobody thinks of that but they put up three goals against wales today or they won by three goals um that was huge big enough that when the united states went on their 90 minute zero zero draw it means that the united states now has to beat iran in order to advance out of what they call the group stage this is the first round it's kind of a round robin play that advances them then into the bracket play of the tournament if the united states can't beat iran uh, they're out. That's it. So the stakes get higher and higher. Of course, as these round robin uh, plays go on uh, longer and longer, and teams in the United United States should have whooped on Wales. We had a draw with Wales. We should have. Uh, we did really well to have pull a draw with England. We should beat Iran, but Iran just whooped Wales. Wales is the team that we tied. So the only way that the United States continues on is if we beat Iran. And let's face it that's good for ratings right now Fox Sports is watching the United States in this Iran game and they're going to build this thing up huge because if the United States is bounced they're going to lose 80 plus percent of their American audience just gone like that but they also know that if the United States wins and advances and is into this bracket tournament play that all of a sudden their coverage becomes must-see television absolutely gotta watch it United States is advancing in the world stage this is huge it will put us in with some of those other countries that are so well known for soccer the Brazil's England France Spain maybe Argentina Argentina got upset um they have kind of a crawl back into it but some of these other teams that that, uh, that have garnered so much attention the United States could be part of that if they're not Fox is like what did we pay for these rights for why did we do that? If they do, all of a sudden, Fox's gamble pays off. Bigly, they would say. Bigly. I will still watch. The reason I'll still watch is because um, I'm a degenerate. And every, I've got a friend of mine that is a huge degenerate. And every time there's any sporting event, he puts together an office pool. So I've got a few teams that I'm watching, and I need them to advance. Uh, so even if the United States loses, I still have other teams that I'll be watching and, and hoping that they advance so that I can win my $25. $25. It's, it's amazing how you can have such a, such a little bit of an investment and all of a sudden it just emotionally attaches you uh, like an umbilical cord. You just, you can't cut it. All right, we'll talk about what's affecting Californians, including this drought and who it's really hitting the hardest. That is uh, in just a few moments. Um, let's check on news first. KFI AM 640, we're live everywhere in your I Radio app. Uh was uh, perusing the different uh, news sources today seeing this ongoing coverage the LA times has been doing of uh, the ongoing drought and what it's doing to people. And, uh, the headline that really caught my eye was, uh, as California droughts intensify ecosystems and rural communities will bear the brunt. Um, the, the difficulty with the drought, of course, comes back to the, the, the climate change that we're, we're seeing. And I know I, whenever I talk about this, my, I will. I will talk to people. I go. Well, it's just. It's part of the natural cycles. <laughs> this ongoing debate. My pops and I will talk, and he'll always say something like, "How's the drought going?" And I'll go, "Well, it stinks, and uh, thanks for the climate change." And he'll go, "There's no. There's no change." <laughs> He's always onto this. There's no change. Okay. Uh, which pops is in a very rural area, right? And when you talk about rural communities, they're the ones that seem to be the most opposed to anything uh, that would directly combat climate change. And I have this unique perspective. I say it's it's not really that unique, but uh, I find that depending on people's circumstance, they tend to deny the perspectives of others. I have uh, enjoyed, I grew up in a very small town, a very rural area. Uh, and then, of course, as my career has grown, I've been moving to larger and larger cities, uh, which, is, which has been wonderful. It was very intimidating at first. Uh, but it's been, it's been a wonderful experience. And I also tend to see uh, so many differences between the rural perspective and the urban perspective. And those are so evident, so evident in certain um, issues that have become political lightning rods the one that's the most obvious to me is uh guns. Uh, that becomes very obvious very quickly. uh if you are if you are in orange county and you hear a gunshot uh that's problematic, right? uh however, if you're in a very rural area and you hear a gunshot, that's probably very normal. Uh, a couple of years back I went to Thanksgiving at my folks' place and they live in northern michigan. thanksgiving happens to fall during deer season and they live back in the woods. So you wake up, the sun comes up and you start hearing gunshots. And it's just normal. You hear gunshots because people are out hunting. They're hunting the deer you hear the gunshots. They might be uh, half a mile away. They might be, um, I think he's got a neighbor that hunts and I'm trying to think about how far back that, I don't know, maybe 300 yards back there behind his house. Not unusual at all. Imagine if you are if you're in Ventura and you hear a gunshot only 300 yards away, my God, you're ducking, right? Perspective is completely different between the rural and the urban communities when it comes to things like firearms. Religion is another one. I see a big difference in the uh, the rural and the urban um, uh, areas. And I think that has a lot to do with the the churches being the center of the communities in in rural areas it is the gathering point it's the networking site it's a big deal whereas there are many other uh, opportunities to connect socially with people in in urban areas but then uh one of the others that i i find myself uh noticing stark different uh, a stark difference is when it comes to climate change in urban areas you have a number of people that go my god climate change is horrible it's getting warmer all the time uh and of course they're living in in these different um Uh, you're living in a, in a hot area, right? Where the, the asphalt, the concrete are, are uh, holding heat in longer. uh, And so your summers seem hotter. Uh, You live in, if you're in California, maybe you're not seeing the water drying up, especially if you're near the coastline, you're not hearing the, you're not seeing the water drying up, but you know it is because you continue to get all these different reports, especially from the rural areas, the rural areas, uh, maybe they're in denial, but I think that the denial about climate change comes more from a, a place of uh, self-preservation than anything else. Let me explain this. It seems counterintuitive. If you're in a rural area, right, and these are the areas that are affected the most by climate change, especially in California where we've got people in rural areas that are on well water and the wells are drying up, uh, and that's bad. That's <laughs> a bad thing. I don't know if you've ever experienced a dry well. It's not a lot of fun and it's very, very costly to try to find more water or to dig another well that might go deeper. It's very expensive. And so part of the denial has to do with, um, basically the hope that it's not as bad as what the people on the TV from the urban areas are telling you. Those same people that want to take your guns away and destroy your religion are now trying to tell you that your well is going to dry up and then your well dries up and you go, well, It's because of those other people, right? So it's really easy to blame people that have a different perspective. The rural areas, though, especially the farmland areas, are sort of in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. So while they're the most affected by things like climate change, the idea of regulating um, so much of what they do for environmental uh, reasons is... um, they feel like it's uh, business suicide to them. Uh, Suppose that you, you run a farm and you have to have a good deal of water. The water is drying up. The solution is environmental regulations. And you go, wait a minute. If you start regulating things and you start decreasing the amount of water I can use, I won't be able to sustain my farm and I'll be out of business. And then my family is going to be displaced and it's going to be awful. It's horrible. Right? And so they say, well, I'm going to oppose the environmental regulations of course they're going to oppose the environmental regulations because if they if they accept the environmental regulations uh, that's like throwing in the towel. What are they going to do? The immediate impact of environmental regulations is far scarier than the potential long-term impact of climate change. So if if they can maintain a logical consistency where they say climate change isn't really going on or it's not as bad as what those uh, those liberals in In the big cities are telling us. Then they go, so we have to avoid the environmental regulations so that we can can operate today. And then what they're telling us is all a lie about uh, the long-term impact, so it it won't be a problem. Because the further away a threat is, the less of a threat it seems, and especially if you deny the threat even exists. So the thought is that if you can avoid those restrictions or regulations uh, regarding environmentalism, that it's not... uh, it's going to be better at the moment. And then maybe those predictions for future issues aren't going to come to fruition at all. We kind of saw this in the 20 teens, right? We were going through all the, the different droughts in the in 20 teens. And, uh, of course, Northern California had it worse than we did for a long time. And we were hearing about all the different you know water woes and how we might be impacted because of the water we get from Northern California. And they were suffering worse drought than we were. But then the drought, of course, spread uh, throughout the entire state. It was a bad situation. All of a sudden we had a couple of really wet winters and we found ourselves coming out of the drought status. Reservoirs were filling back up. Snow caps were, were as high as they'd been in a long time. And that was great. And so that was almost, that weather phenomenon became almost um, uh, evidence in the minds of some people that it's simply cyclical. There's no real environmental change going on. But then just a couple of years later, and here we are back again in another drought and a severe drought, as bad or worse than what we saw a few years ago. Those in the rural communities are really in a a no-win situation because the impact of the rural communities and the farms going under, if environmental regulations are too stringent, will have devastating effects on all of us. However, without implementing changes to the way that we do things, those farms are still going to go under, and it will have devastating effects on all of us. So what's the solution, right? And this is this has been the argument that's going to continue to go on. First of all, nobody can come to a consensus on what the solution might be, and certainly even if we could see a solution, you're going to continue to have people in those communities, the most affected by climate change, that are going to say your solution is is uh, too devastating to us uh, to to press forward in the first place. I was looking; Cal Matters had some ideas for. Boosting water supply, including recycling, more desalination, uh, capturing stormwater runoff, um, changing the the agriculture altogether, getting away from things like tree nuts and stuff like that into something else that was less water-intensive. Getting rid of lawns, which, of course, we've already done a a good deal of here in Southern California, but Northern California, not so much. Some of the Central Valley, not so much. Um, More uh, open up the water reservoirs. The problem with all of these different solutions they're expensive and who's going to pay for it because the the people in the rural areas are are, they're not they're not seeing uh uh, minimum wages around 20 dollars an hour right they're they're still trying to scrape by they don't have a whole lot of extra money to be dumping into uh more mitigation uh, systems so they want to vote against these things to their own long-term detriment one might argue it's penny wise and pound foolish but if you're not if your business doesn't survive through the next uh, drought, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter uh, whether or not any of those predictions come to fruition. If you don't get through today, you can't really worry about tomorrow is sort of the, the mindset. There's my rural versus urban uh, comparison for today's show. You're welcome. I want to get antisocial with you. A study in antisocialness. Is, is next. I'm Chris Merrill in for John and Ken, KFI AM 640. It's more stimulating talk live everywhere in your iHeartRadio app. Positive on this, but I believe it is the largest local radio uh, charity event in the country. The 12th annual KFI Pastathon is here. Chef Bruno's charity, Katarina's Club, provides more than 25,000 meals every week to kids in need in Southern California. Your generosity is what makes that happen. Here's how you can help donate at pastathon.com. That's easy. You can also uh, shop at any Smart & Final store in California, Arizona, and Nevada, and then donate at checkout. Neil Saavedra is going to be broadcasting the Fork Report live tomorrow, starting at 2. He'll be at the Smart & Final in Lake Forest on El Toro Road there from 2 to 5. Pop on in, say hi, uh, and then you can donate at the store, and also you can uh, pick Neil's brain for recipes or something, I suppose. Uh, And 100% of your donation goes to Katarina's Club. But details, again, if you want more info and easy way to donate, is just at Pastathon. Dot com. I'm Chris Merrill in for John and Ken KFI AM six forty. It's more stimulating talk. Um, social media is uh, it is uh, it is it's like the uh, what's that that character in Batman Two Face? Is that the one? Yeah. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde situation, right? It's so Jekyll and Hyde. That's what I find with social media. Uh, I was I was in for uh, Gary and Shannon yesterday, and I revealed that I, I have a burner account for one of my social media. I only have one it's on Instagram and um, most people set up a burner account so that they can be anonymous and be rotten. Um, I'm the other way. And I would recommend it. Uh, My burner account is simply goodwill things. Twitter, uh, excuse me, Instagram keeps sending me uh, political crap. You know, they're like, Oh, you might be interested in this. And it's just political drama. I don't I, the, the burner account is for the cliche as cat videos. I don't necessarily care for cat videos, but I do follow otters on there. I follow otters, nature photos, sunsets, flowers, people who travel to different places, explore different cultures. I that burner account is all positive stuff, and. I will sometimes spend too much time doom scrolling on Twitter, and then I find myself going to this Instagram burner account and just sort of cleansing my emotional palate with positivity. It sounds a little, a little hippy dip, doesn't it? A little namaste, everyone. No, but that it's not it. It's just I need to get away from the negativity sometimes. Um, so social media is great for that sort of thing. I also follow it for breaking news, which can or or may not necessarily even be accurate. I don't know if you caught this. The AP fired one of the reporters. Uh, They were sending Slack messages in one of the the private Slack. It was like the Slack reporter room, and you may have seen uh, the actual uh, report come across one of your other social media feeds. A 10-minute miscommunication on Slack between journalists at the AP resulted in an erroneous report last week, That appeared momentarily to bring tensions between NATO and Russia to their highest point since the Cuban Missile Crisis. I saw this. Uh, It kind of freaked me out a bit. Last Tuesday, the AP posted a news alert saying that senior U.S. intelligence officials say Russian missiles crossed into NATO member Poland, killing two people, noting that leaders in Poland were holding an emergency meeting due to a crisis situation. I saw that. I saw that report, and I went, oh, boy. I that's saw that it too. yep. So you saw it thing. too. told my wife I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And you I don't know about you, but I thought it's World War three. you yep. know we've been all we're waiting for is something to cross over from this you know proxy war kind of things like being in the Cold War again where we have these proxy wars going on. All it takes is one strike in a NATO land and suddenly pfft, we're in it. Come to find out. nope, that was mistaken. Uh, James Laporta was the reporter, a national security advisor, f- uh, excuse me, national security reporter for the AP. He got the initial tip that sent the story in motion. Uh, then he got fired for sending out false information, basically, on this Slack page. Slack is, uh, it's sort of, a, how do I describe this, an enhanced messenger type thing? Um, yeah, interoffice messaging. Yeah, and, you, and and basically you can set up your own networks of people. Um Yeah. So, think of it like a Facebook group, almost. Um, The Beast uh, reported that Laporta left the impression that the story's sourcing had been approved. Uh, That is, uh, according to... The Daily Beast was reporting, they were the first to report that LaPorta got fired. The slag messages on which the incident played out tell a different story of honest mistakes, internal confusion, and a lack of clear process that led to the disaster for one of the few news organizations whose Twitter presence is an authoritative account for world affairs. What is the most important thing in news? And Brian, you'll agree with me on this, is credibility. 100%. Absolutely credibility. Absolutely. And uh, when you have... Somebody who's firing this off in a private group, but then it, it, people run with it because this is someone who generally comes to the table with credibility. Uh, boy, that really hurts everything. What we find out, they were not Russian missiles; they were, I believe, Ukrainian missiles that that went errant. Right? They were. It was a goof. Yeah. Uh, so we don't end up in World War III. The report has to be uh, withdrawn, and uh, and the guy that fired off that that social media message uh, gets canned then there are other instances of social media getting some real creeps off the street i don't know if you caught the story um let me see i think it was f- yeah fox 11 is where i saw the story uh, a teacher from the tustin area behind bars after a tiktok video expo- uh, exposed alleged lewd message uh, lewd text messages with a minor According to the OC Sheriff's Department, deputies got a tip from a TikTok video that showed a person confronting a teacher, later identified as 47-year-old Roger Cavigan, for allegedly exchanging inappropriate texts with a minor. The investigation stemming from the social media video led to Cavigan being arrested on Wednesday. Cavigan uh, taught at Foothill High School, was booked for allegedly contacting a minor with no excuse me with intent to commit sexual assault. Uh, so, City News Service contributing to that report as well. It sounds like. Uh, one of the peers of the individual involved uh, got a hold of the text messages, or maybe the individual involved themselves. I don't know. I didn't see the the TikTok video, um, but it sounds like they contr- confronted the teacher. Didn't go to the police, but the police end up seeing the video, uh, which of course streamed on social media. So social media ends up bringing down allegedly. I got to be careful here too. Allegedly, uh, certainly has gotten this person into a real a mess. This teacher. And if it's true that this teacher was, in fact, exchanging lewd text messages with a minor, uh, then it's because of social media that the the word got out. Just pro tip, probably better off to report that to authorities first. I think that's a scary proposition for a lot of kids. I think that's terrifying. They don't want to go to their parents. They don't want to, but they want to embarrass the teacher. Uh, but probably better off to just go to the authorities in the first place. And then finally, uh, I know, Brian, you've been very concerned with the blackout over uh, Jennifer Lopez's um, social media, the, the J-Lo blackout. Oh, yeah, it's keeping me up. I know it has been, yeah. She's deleted all of her Instagram posts, and she changed her profile picture to a black circle. Uh, she Her profile photos also went black on Twitter and TikTok. And her Facebook profile picture is now just a dark background with her name written in lowercase cursive. And many fans are wondering if this cursive signature on Facebook is a subtle clue about what's coming. Because it appears to exactly match how her name was written on the cover of her 2002 album, This Is Me, Then. That's the name of the album, This Is Me, Then. So now somebody thinks she's going to put out another album saying, This Is Me, Now. That's your update, Brian. So you can you can probably get a few winks in tonight anyway. Yeah, I was just deeply troubled. Rest easy on that. Yeah, it doesn't sound like she's boycotting social media. It sounds like it may be some sort of a marketing scam. Oh, good. (laughs) You're welcome. I've updated you. Uh, How good was Black Friday? How safe was Black Friday? That's next. Chris Merrill in for John and Ken. KFI AM640 is more stimulating talk and live everywhere on your iHeartRadio app.
1: It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio. Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173 or visit buylegacygold.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today.
1: information.